Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. The new covenant is not just bigger, but according to the scripture, it's better. It is not merely that the new covenant is for you and your children and all those who are far off, welcoming in, beckoning in the Gentiles and not just Israel. No, but the new covenant is not just wider, bigger in its scope, but it is better and deeper in its promises. Ezekiel 36 speaks of the new covenant and its coming, its features and what it would be like, its benefits and promises. Ezekiel 36 says that in the new covenant that I will remove your heart of stone, that obstinate and stubborn heart that was sadly all too frequent among the people of Israel. God promises in the new covenant to remove that heart of stone and to replace it with a heart of flesh that is softened and malleable and receptive to his word. And God says that my law will not merely be written on tablets of stone given through Moses at Mount Sinai, but rather I will write my laws on the tablets of human hearts. And God doesn't say that merely I will command you to fear me and walk in my ways, but Ezekiel says that the promise of the new covenant is that I will place the fear of myself within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. The new covenant is not just wider. It's not just bigger. It's deeper and it's better. It is not just for more people. It is not merely more inclusive because it welcomes in the Gentiles, but it is founded on deeper and better promises. The new covenant is that God makes a deal with man, but that God promises to uphold his end of the bargain, which he always promises to do, which he did in the old covenant as well. But the difference is that in the new covenant, God says, I'll uphold my end of the bargain and yours. I will see to it that you cannot fail. What is so beautiful about the new covenant is that it has no outs. It is so finely woven together that no one can fall through the cracks. There there is no one who would be left behind. No one would be a part of the new covenant people of God and somehow experience the promises of God failing them. God says, no, I, I will cause you. I won't just command you to walk in my statutes, which is perfectly just and right of God to do. But he says, I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. I'll command you to obey, and I myself will see to it that you obey. I'll put my spirit inside you. I will give you new spiritual hearts that are receptive. I will change your very nature. I'll cause you to become new creatures in Christ Jesus. I will change your disposition, change your desires, cause you to love me, cause you to seek me, cause you to obey me. I will place the fear of myself within you. I will see to it 
that all those who are included in this new promise, this new covenant, not one of them falls away. Not one of them fails to inherit the promises. The reality of the old covenant is that we must acknowledge that the vast majority of Israel failed to obtain the promise. The vast majority of Israel, they died in unbelief. That's what we see in the Old Testament, and it is stated explicitly in the New, precisely in the book of Hebrews, that they died off. Your fathers, they, want, they, they wandered in the, de- in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years, grumbling and complaining. Right? Their surface sins, for lack of a better phrase, were grumbling and complaining, but the root sin was unbelief. And the vast majority of Israel died in unbelief. That God had to wait 40 years for an entire new generation to be able to enter into the promised land because of the stubbornness of their fathers. But it wasn't just one generation that died in unbelief. We see the pattern continue. When Joshua sends out, not Joshua rather, but Moses sends out the 12 spies, 12 spies of Israel to spy out the land of Canaan. Out of 12, only two come back with a good report, namely Joshua and Caleb. I mean, if we look at the ratio there, it's a one in six ratio of those who who say God's promises are true and good and right, and he will empower us to do whatever it takes to inherit the land. The other 10 spies come back and say, yeah, there's a lot of fruit. The grapes are big. We can make some delicious wine. But the people are pretty big too. We were like grasshoppers. Joshua and Caleb come back and say, if God be for us, who can be against us? God will deliver them into our hands. We can take them. If the Nephilim are there, we can take them. If they outnumber us, we can take them. But the point is, not just the first generation that died off in unbelief in the wilderness, but this pattern continued for Israel all the way up to the coming of Christ. And in the coming of Christ, it continued as well. He came to his own, but they received him not. They rejected him. And this is all part and parcel of the old covenant. The old covenant told people what to do, but it did not empower them to do it. The new covenant does not merely provide direction and commandments but God promises to place his spirit within us so that we might be obedient to his commandments. Do not ever make the mistake of thinking that the only distinction between the old and the new is simply the scope. The new covenant is not just the bigger covenant. It is the better covenant. Thanks so much for listening, but real quick, Before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.